thank you, Brother Rob. Brother Rob and his wife will be presenting their ministry and call to the mission field of South Africa over the next several months and weeks, and you pray for them as they do so. Uh, they will take a survey trip in September and then on to the mission field. I'm thankful for them. Open your Bibles again to Numbers chapter 32. And uh, this uh, message tonight, maybe a little early in the summer, and, uh, but I, I want to preach a message and I typically would preach maybe just a little different message at this time of the year. Uh, but I'm going to push us a little bit tonight, and I'm going to preach on renewing your vision, uh, renewing your vision. And, of course, we are about a month away, a little more than a month away from a new school year and a very important time and process of our year in uh, uh, Christian education and Bible college and church work. And uh, I'm going to talk to everybody tonight in this subject of renewing uh, your vision. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would help me as I preach tonight. I pray that you would give me wisdom. I pray that you would guide my words and my heart and my thinking. I want to be pleasing to you tonight, and I want to be a blessing to the people. Holy Spirit of God, please empower me, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Numbers chapter 32, we have the next generation of people that are going into the land of Canaan. The text without the context could be confusing if you didn't know the story. If you just read the text, you would say, what's wrong with these people asking uh, for uh, the right to stay in this land because they had cattle and the land was good for cattle? What's wrong with them doing that? Well, you have to understand God's purpose for their life. And God's purpose for the children of Israel was to go into the land of Canaan. When they would get into the land of Canaan, it wouldn't just be a free ride. There were seven nations that lived in the land of Canaan. Uh, they were greater and mightier than they were. And only by faith and obedience to God would they be able to take the land of Canaan. And so that was God's will for their life. And may I say, of all things that's important, it's important that we do God's will in life. We're not in church to figure out how the Bible can help us to accomplish our will. Uh, we're here tonight to figure out how we can do, uh, the, how we can best do the will of God for our life. Are you with me in that? You understand what I'm saying? So that, that, that's our purpose. That's where we're going. And so uh, their purpose was to be in the land of Canaan. Uh, this uh, group of people, Reuben and Gad, they've been blessed. They're hard workers. They've been blessed and they have much cattle. And they come to this land just on this side of Jordan and they said, would it be okay if we stayed here? And uh, Moses reminded them of a generation past. And that generation where the 12 spies went into the land of Canaan and uh, they came back, 10 gave an evil report and said there are giants in the land. Uh, we're not able to go into the land. And the people murmured, they complained, and they were, uh, there was division and they did not go into the land. And God killed that generation. Everybody uh, of 20 years, age, uh, 20 years of age and older, they died. Now we have the next generation that's come and they're ready to go into the land of Canaan. And they ask the same question, can we stay here? And so Moses gives them the answer. He tells them the history lesson of what had happened to uh, their fathers. And he says several things that are important for us to know. If you'll notice, if you will, in verse number 5, Wherefore, 
uh, said they, if we have found grace in thy sight, let this land be given unto thy servants for a possession and bring us not over Jordan. Look at verse number 6. And Moses said unto the children of Gad and to the children of Reuben, Shall your brethren go to war and shall ye sit here? Here's a group of people that does not want to fight anymore. They're satisfied where they are. They have found a place of satisfaction. They don't want to move forward. That's the most dangerous place a Christian can be in their Christian life. That's a dangerous place for a church to be, to come to the place that they say, I'm satisfied where I am. I don't want to reach anybody else for Christ. I like our church. I like our church family. I like all of our programs or activities or education. Uh, we don't need to move forward anymore. And that's what they're saying. Do you think it's right for others to do the will of God and you not do the will of God? Are you with me tonight? Second of all, I want you to notice verse number 7. He says, And wherefore discourage ye the heart of the children of Israel from going over into the land which the Lord hath given them. He said, you're, If you quit, if you stay here and you don't do the will of God, you're going to discourage others from doing the will of God. And he told them it's not right for you to stay here on this side. Let's do the will of God. So I want to preach for a few minutes tonight on the subject of renewing our vision. I want to keep our vision of the work of the local church before us. Uh, I want to keep uh, the will of God and uh, God's will for our families before us. We can't give up. We can't give in. Uh, we can't quit. We must move forward pressing on in the will of God. We want to continue to see people saved. I'm thankful for every person that's been saved all the way through this afternoon. Just this afternoon, uh, new names were written down in glory from the soul winners, the work of the bus ministry in the church in our church. Isn't that a wonderful thing? Sometimes we come to the place you say, well, every time we come to church, you say the same thing. Uh, that's, a, uh, that's a good thing. If we ever come to the place that we say, well, it's been six months since we've had anybody saved, we're in trouble. We must press on. We must desire to continue to win people to Christ. We must move forward in growing in our own Christian life. Uh, we must continue in our place of service for the Lord. We must continue our ministries that we have uh, that meet a particular spiritual need in the lives of people. We must continue our work of missions. I've spent some time this week, Friday, yesterday, and today uh, reading of some of our own missionaries uh, that are serving. I read a report from Guyana. And what a blessing it was from the Akuakos uh, there. And read of the Baxters and see their pictures of their church today. And uh, Brother Baxter preaching. And to see uh, many young men, it looked like, in that uh, crowd of folks there in uh, South Sudan, Africa. And then uh, Brother Rob, of course, going and his wife and daughter going uh, to uh, South uh, Africa and others that I have read of. Uh, we want to continue. There's a world to reach with the gospel of Christ. We want to continue to train new servants for the Lord, train new pastors uh, for the ministry. We want to continue in the great and important work of education. I recall the alarm that was taking place in the 1970s regarding education in America. And they said, we cannot allow uh, these folks to teach our children evolution. That was the fear. That was the foolishness of that day. Uh, folks, evolution seems so uh, 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 
not dangerous as uh, it did in those days. And we started Christian schools in basements of our churches and, and back rooms. We had little to nothing except a teacher and a pastor that loved their children and want to teach their children and give them an education that said uh, you did not evolve from lower animal life but you were created by the God of heaven and you were created with a will and from the 70s to where we are today Christian education is far more important today than it ever has been. I don't care how many failures or successes or what you say or observe about the past. We are responsible to give our children a quality Christian education. We must continue in that. We've got to continue in our work. One of the things that I work on every quarter, every quarter of every year, now going into the fall of the year, I work on renewing my vision for the work God has given me to do. I, I don't want my vision to go stale and dormant. I don't want it to. The average pastor stays in a church four years. And when you read, and I read surveys recently, why pastors leave, and most of them stress and burnout. I, I don't understand that completely, but, but that's what the answers that they give. And uh, most of the time, uh, they stay at a church four years, and then they leave. I, I, I hate moving, as you can tell. I don't want to move. I've just decided to stay here until Jesus comes or I go home to glory. Uh, and folks ask me, how long have you been the pastor there? 32 years. Wow, it's a long time, isn't it? And I'm glad. But, but, but I don't want to lose my vision. By, by the way, in that survey, not only do pastors leave every four years, the average vacation time for a pastor is four to six weeks. Brother Johnson, you're the deacon chairman. Will you make note of that? Uh, if you will, please, four to six weeks. Uh, I'd feel like I was in prison if I had to be on vacation four to six weeks a year. The average pastor preaches 35 Sundays of the 52. That's all. That's depressing to me. Think of pastor... I think a pastor only preaches 35 or 52 weeks. I wonder how many, how, many, how many times he golfs. Anyway, that doesn't matter. I don't want to burn out. I want to renew my vision for God. And I want to challenge us tonight in this area of renewing our vision for God. The average church grows when a church is planted. When a church starts, they grow for no more than five years. And that church, it produces a group of people, a new people for five years, and they live off the residual growth of that church of just five years. And then they exist. That's the average of what they do. That's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches to press on and keep moving forward, winning people to Christ as long as the church is in existence. Sometimes parents, after children have grown into the primary years, and the most discouraging and difficult time, challenging time for parents is when they get children into that uh, third, fourth, fifth grade or second, third, fourth grade, the primary years, they forget their vision and they go to survival. That's, that's how they feel. They forget the vision that they had when God gave them children. Hannah did not just want a child. She had a vision for that child. She wanted to raise Samuel to serve God. I want to say to you that are rearing your children tonight, don't lose your vision in rearing your children. 
no matter what difficulties or challenges or setbacks you may face, if you have children at home, don't quit, don't lose your vision, and more so, don't lose God's vision for your children. Our responsibility is to rear them in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Our responsibility is to rear them to find and know and do the will of God for their life. Our bus captains maintain an average far above the national average. Uh, the average bus captain works three to five years. We have bus captains that have been on the same route 30 years. What a blessing. But we want to renew our vision. A school teacher, after three to five years, go into survival mode. A coach, six to eight years, loses his excitement for coaching. A church member, after singing the hymns, they get old, and the voice of the pastor is common, and hearing soul-winning reports and bus reports, they grow cold and common and stale. I'm going to preach against that tonight. I'm going to preach against you letting your vision die. The Bible says where there is no vision, the people perish. And you will perish in life if you don't keep a vision and renew your vision to serve God. It's interesting, in 1607, a shipload of travelers, uh, they come to the coast of America the first year. They establish a town site. And uh, many, many stories of our uh, the pilgrims and those that came to America. And I read a story where they established the town. The next year they elected town government. The third town government planned to build a road five miles westward. Five miles westward. The fourth year some of the people wanted to impeach their town government because they thought it was a waste of public funds to build a road five miles westward into the wilderness. Although it's interesting that they traveled 3,000 miles across an ocean, overcame great hardships, but came to the place that they were satisfied to stay where they were. Certainly not everyone was, and they did move west, and we know the history of America, but it is our tendency to find a place of comfort and sit down and stay there. It's our tendency to find a place that we can just be comfortable until Jesus comes. I'm not supposed to be comfortable till Jesus comes. I'm supposed to work till Jesus comes. I'm supposed to serve until Jesus comes. I'm not supposed to stop in the wilderness. I'm not supposed to stop at the Jordan. I'm not supposed to stop on this side. I'm to move forward and keep pressing forward into the land of Canaan and all that God desires for our life. I love the story of Haggai. In fact, take your Bibles and turn to the book of Haggai. In the book of Haggai, they had built not only uh, the wall around the city, uh, they had come to rebuild the temple. But after starting and building the temple as recorded in the book of Ezra, uh, they laid the foundation of the temple. And uh, after laying the foundation of the temple, they got discouraged. And there were many reasons that they got discouraged in the rebuilding of the temple. So God sends Haggai the preacher. And this is a great motivation for me in my life. It's a great motivation. God put it in the word of God for us to know. And I want to say to you tonight, college student, after two years you can't quit. You've got to finish the task. I want to say college student, after three years, after three years and now completing your sophomore year, finish the task. 
finish it. Notice what Haggai preached. We'll begin in verse number one in chapter one. In the second year of Darius the king of the sixth month, in the first day of the month came the word of the Lord by Haggai. Notice that this is not the word of Haggai. This is the word of the Lord by Haggai, the prophet, unto Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Josedek, the high priest, saying, Thus speaketh the Lord of hosts, saying, This people say, The time is not come, the time that the Lord's house should be built. Uh, some people were saying, well, it's just not time to get it finished. There's too much problems. There's too many difficulties. Then came the word of the Lord by Haggai the prophet saying, Is it time? You say it's not time to build the Lord's house. Is it time for you, O ye, to dwell in your sealed houses? That means your house is completed. Sealed means the roof is on. It doesn't leak. It's, it's, it's sealed. Sealed houses. And this house lie at waste. Now therefore thus saith the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Ye have sown much and bring in little. Ye eat, but ye have not enough. Ye drink, but ye are not filled with drink. Ye clothe you, but there is none warm. And he that earneth wages, earneth wages to put into a bag with holes. Thus saith the Lord of hosts. Mark this in your Bible, if you will, consider your ways. What is our focus tonight? Are we focused on the will of God for our lives? <coughs> Are we focused on the will of God for our families? <coughs> Are we focused on the will of God for our marriage? Are we focused on the will of God for our church? Thankfully, Haggai stirred the people and they finished the temple. Let me give you four things that a vision will do when you have a vision. When you're excited about doing something, when you're excited in those days that you're excited to rear that child for the Lord, in those days that you're excited about the bus ministry or a new program or excited about a new school year or excited about the next level of learning and preparation of your life and ministry or the next year of service and your place of service, let me tell you what a vision will do. First of all, it will sustain us. It will carry us through difficulty. Our vision will sustain us. Second of all, a vision will give us strength that we didn't think we had. When you're excited about doing something, you can do what you didn't think you would do. This truth, this afternoon at 4 o'clock, I thought if this was any other day, I'd take the rest of the day off. I don't feel good and I'd rest this evening. But I said, man, this church Sunday night, an opportunity to preach the word of God. Somehow just there is an excitement. I'll probably feel bad after church. But I won't feel bad that I preach tonight. A vision sustains you and a vision gives you strength to go on. If, if you lose your vision, you don't look for success, you look for excuses. Are you with me tonight? Third of all, it will take us farther than we thought we could ever go. And number four, when we have a vision, it helps us to have faith in God. It helps us to continue to trust in God, to have faith in God when you have a vision. It's interesting how a hunter 
will endure hardship for the hunt that he would not endure for regular life. An athlete will exhibit a self-control for sports uh, that they will not for normal life. A parent will sacrifice for their children in a way that they would not sacrifice for themselves. A person will do things for earning money that they would not do for anything else. A soldier will exhibit self-control and strength that he would not normally have. And the difference in those names and titles and actions are a vision to accomplish something. Someone with terminal illness that makes a plan for a final trip or a final activity or something they want to complete and that becomes their focus in life. It's interesting when that becomes their focus how it sustains their life. A missionary society wrote a letter to David Livingston. David Livingston, missionary to Africa, they wrote, and I quote, Have you found a good road to where you are? If so, we want to know how to send other men to join you. David Livingston answered with a letter of his own and said, and I quote, If you have men who will come only if they know there is a good road, I don't want them. I want men to come. I want men who will come if there is no road at all. Vision. Here are some things that cause us to lose our vision for moving forward. Psalm 73, we become envious of what we should not. We get our eyes off the vision and on other things. Be careful about comparing what you know the will of God is to the perception that you only see the surface and you do not know the reality of that perception. Listen to me now. You don't want to look at someone and think they're happy and you say, I want what they have. Behind what they have could be a sad story. Don't ever trade what you know the will of God is for the perception of what someone else may have. The psalmist was envious at what the man had in the world. He was envied as envious at his possessions. He was envious at what he had. But then he realized, I'm not looking to see where we're going. I'm looking to see how we're doing. And when I lift up my eyes and see where we are going and he's headed for destruction, I think I'll keep doing like I'm doing because I like where I'm going. In the end of the psalm, his heart is broken for this man who may have some possessions uh, but has no relationship with God and he ends up sharing with him what he has when he thought in the beginning he had poverty. Did I make sense tonight what I said? Uh, Naomi and Elimelech, they left uh, uh, Bethlehem, uh, Judah, and they went to Moab to sojourn. And she went there to get the things she thought she wanted. But her testimony was, I went out full, but I came back empty. And dear friend, I want you to understand, don't ever trade what you know the will of God is for something that you perceive in the life of someone else. We lose vision when we become envious of what we should not. Second of all, we lose vision when we become satisfied with what we have 
rather than what God desires for us to have. I think of Hezekiah and how blessed he was. He became so blessed that he focused on his blessings and sharing uh, the blessings that he had with others. He didn't brag on God. He took credit for what he had. He even brought the enemy in to show him uh, he was as dumb as the president saying uh, what he said about our uh, ammunition and, and uh, military recently who uh, had another gaffe again 10 minutes ago. And, uh, and, and Hezekiah became dumb in doing that. I was preaching with an interpreter this week, and I, I forget what I said, but it interpreted stupidio. I learned several Spanish words with the interpreter this week. What Hezekiah did was stupidio. It was dumb. You see, he became satisfied with what he had. Listen to me, it doesn't matter what we have. What matters is what God wants us to have. They're satisfied with cattle. God wants to give them the land flowing with milk and honey. He wants them to be in his will. Don't ever be satisfied with less than what God wants you to have. And we lose vision when we become satisfied with that. Third of all, we lose vision when we forget the need because of caring for our needs. When we forget the need what is the need of a child, a parent that loves them? What is the need of a pastor, a pastor that preaches the word of God to them? What is the need of the nation, the gospel, and for Christians to share the gospel of Jesus Christ? We cannot forget our need. We cannot forget our purpose. Self-centered rather than Christ-centered causes us to lose our vision. Jonah, he cared more for the gourd and the gourd vine than he did the children of Nineveh and the people of Nineveh. And he became so focused and self-centered. Or we just flat become lazy. The other excuses sounded a whole lot better than that one, didn't it? Sometimes we just become lazy. So what do we do to renew our vision? I'll give you four things. And I'm looking at the time. I'm going to dismiss right on time. I'm going to give you four things to help us to renew our vision. Some of you parents, you're busy because of your children and they're going every direction and you when school starts, you have school and sports and, all, and, and, and church activities and school activities. And it seems like you should put a, a yellow uh, light on top of your van that says taxi and you're running to and fro. And sometimes in that busyness, you forget your purpose. Uh, but first of all, if we're going to renew our vision, we have to remember what our purpose is. What is my purpose in life? What is my purpose in life? My calling of God in life. My responsibilities in life. What is my purpose? I have to keep my purpose before me. Keep your purpose of life before you. Second of all, product. I need to imagine what is the product of me fulfilling my purpose. As I received text messages this afternoon, and not as many in the summertime as I would in the spring or fall, but received text messages from preachers that were young men in our church or in our college and sharing the blessings of the day. One young man started a church in Auburn, Indiana. He had 24 in church today. He sent me a text message. He said, this is our best summer Sunday. And I rejoiced in that, 24. 24. 
And I said, that's a good job. I said, if you keep working hard in the summer and you keep working to have good days in the summer, you're going to have a great fall. And so we need to imagine our product. If we fulfill our purpose, what's the, uh, what's the, uh, what's the possibility of our product? Folks, we've been at this together long enough tonight that we have the blessing of seeing the product. Uh, this morning, these three young ladies that sang, uh, that's the product of us fulfilling our purpose. Uh, this young man that sang tonight, uh, the product of fulfilling our purpose from our uh, youth activities to our uh, school activities to Christian education to Sunday school and all that we do, we want to stay focused on our purpose and then imagine uh, the product. Number three, we have to stay with God's plan, not my plan. How foolish this group was, Reuben and Gad, to say, let's stay here. This land is good for cattle. They didn't know what was going to happen to that land, but God did. Sometimes we, we stake everything in life on what seems to be right rather than what God said is right. Stay with God's plan. Stay with God's plan in life. What is God's plan in the rearing of our children? You get to the place where you have teenagers and teenagers and they start thinking about what they're taught and what they're told to do. And, and, and sometimes it's not a rebellious spirit, but they begin to question, why do we do this? You, you, you don't want to give up. You just want to take the Bible and show them this is why we do this. You see, sometimes we forget, especially if you're a first-generation Christian and you've suffered the pains of sin and you've suffered the pains of mistakes, we will make rules that protect them from getting to the place of making that mistake. They don't understand that because they've never suffered the pain of that wrongdoing. And second and third generation, all they hear is all these rules and they don't understand. They don't understand why they're there, but they're to protect them. And we have to take time as parents to teach our children and be an example to our grandchildren. This is God's plan. We don't want to live close to the edge. We don't want to live close to danger. We want to stay as far from the danger as we can. We don't want our lives wrecked and ruined. Stay with the plan. First of all, don't forget our purpose. Remember it often. Imagine the product. Stay with God's plan. And last of all, trust the providence of God. I love this. I wish I had a long time here. Trust the providence of God. Isn't it encouraging to look back and see through many dangers, toils, and snares I have already come. Tis grace hath brought me safe thus far. It's been good up to now. Well, if it has, then grace will lead me home. I love the providence of God. Trust God. Don't, don't quit on God. Don't turn back. I, wanna, I want you tonight to think about what your purposes are in life. What's God called you to do? What's God give you an opportunity to do? How has God blessed your life? Stay with your purpose and renew your vision. Renew your vision in serving God. Stand with me if you will. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Just a moment, he's going to sing the invitation song. Soul winner, have you lost your vision? Bus captain, have you lost your vision? Mom and dad, are you going through the motions and forgotten the vision that you had for your children? The vision for their education? It's important. Vision to help them know the will of God? Sunday school teacher. 
not just fulfilling our responsibilities. There's a vision. There's a vision that we ought to have. God help us tonight to renew our